Welcome to the BLC Connection Podcast. I'm Karen Wilson and your host for today. Today's guest is Alan Selby with Buds and Blooms and TriStar Plants. Welcome to the podcast, Alan. Thank you, Karen. Well, I have been a fan of yours for quite some time as far as I didn't really understand that you had TriStar Plants, but let's start with Buds and Blooms. You've got a gorgeous greenhouse with or several greenhouses there mm-hmm. on your property with all kinds of beautiful plants and things and I forget how I found it but it's a great place. Well thanks and thanks for having me here. Um, Buds and Blooms started technically in 2004. Um, we took a year and did a lot of research, um, did a lot of shopping, you know, trying to um, find the correct houses and and things that fit what we wanted to do. And so we started construction, uh, I believe it was in November of 2004, and our first selling season was April of 2005. Mm-hmm. So you've been in business quite some time now. Yeah. Um, has horticulture always kind of been something that you loved, or did you <clears throat> grow into this? Pardon the pun. Well, Yes and no. Um, when I was going to college, um, I worked for a, a greenhouse and nursery company in uh, Van Buren County and really liked the job and um, kind of got away from it. And uh, life happens, you know, uh, you have to make a living and you get married and have kids. And so um, I had another career uh, as part of that. Me and my wife bought a farm, and uh, we grew tobacco for years. Uh, and then the tobacco climate got mm-hmm. what it is today, and uh, it was no longer very profitable to do. And so we looked for alternatives to replace that income on the farm. And um, so we were talking to them one day, and I said, you know, I wouldn't mind to get into the greenhouse business a little bit. I enjoyed it when we'd done it before, and— um, so she said, well, if that's something you want to do, let's look at it. That's kind of how it started. Well, I would think there would be a lot of research and, you know, I mean, some of us have green thumbs and some mm-hmm. of us don't, but when you get on the scale that you all, uh, grow on probably lots of research and trial and error, I guess, on, on crops. It's, it's both. And Buds and Blooms has kind of evolved, um, in the early days, we went out and found, uh, found people who could produce the plant mm-hmm. in plug form, and then we just bring it in and, and transplant it, grow it for a few weeks, and be ready to sell. And so over the years, um, we've evolved, and now we sow our own seeds, we grow our own plugs. Um, we're as self-sufficient as we can be mm-hmm. um, for two reasons. One, we have more control over the plants when they're ready, when they're, you know, when we need to sow. Um, so it's kind of like time on demand thing. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is that it's another way to keep the cost down for the consumer. Um, you take the middleman out. Right. The biggest hurdle in retail is how to keep our prices where they need to be for where we are. Mm-hmm. Um I got a good friend, James Smith, who has Smith Greenhouses, and I always got a lot of information from him. 
uh, when we were starting. And he said, you know, he said, we're 100 miles from being in a, a situation we, we can make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, because of the national market. Yeah, I was going to say Nashville, Franklin, whenever you go to shop places like that at their greenhouses, it's a bit of a sticker shock. Yeah, it is. And um, so that was one thing. We we want to be an alternative to the big box stores and the really Mm -hmm. high-end greenhouses and and nurseries. Mm -hmm. Well, I will say, Coming on to your facility there, it looks high end. Um, mm-hmm. You've got lots of choices and lots of variety there. So mm-hmm. you feel like you're getting to shop at, you know, I kind of uh, equate it to what maybe Mary's used to be uh, in McMinnville, Tennessee. They mm-hmm. were a very large uh, greenhouse, but you all have a huge selection there at Buds and Blooms. Well, we, we try to be a one-stop shop. Of course, you're never going to have everything. There's... Uh, one one good example is tomatoes. You know, every spring people come in, do you have such and such, or do you have this variety, that variety? I've, I've had that for years. Well, the bottom line is that if I grew every tomato that was out there, that's all we would have. Mm-hmm. We could fill the whole facility with tomatoes. And so I, we can't grow everything. Um, but we do in our researching and when we – get to the end of the year uh, we keep notes on things people ask for and you know if there's a high demand we will incorporate that into next year's uh, selections but um, I don't know how many greenhouses you'd have to have if you were going to grow all the different varieties well and you have to keep in mind too what grows well here Mm -hmm. Uh, someone that has moved here from say alabama or mississippi or up north there what they're used to there Mm -hmm. is going to be a little bit different variety than what we can grow here right so you have to you know our climate yeah and and when we get to the TriStar part, that's one of the hurdles there. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that. I had no idea that you had this online business called TriStar Plants. Um, tell us, I guess, the story. Let's go back, though, before we start that, because mm-hmm. you all had an event at Buds and Blooms in 2017 because of a tornado that yeah. you guys had to just start over, which is... That's what I think other small businesses could really learn from is coming off of a disaster like that. How did you rebuild your business? Well, uh, that event happened the Saturday before Thanksgiving in 2017. Now, before I tell the story, keep in mind that we start our spring crops in January. So I'm looking mid-November and we have a we have a tornado, and at that time we had we had six houses. Well, the tornado completely destroyed three, and then had significant damage on the other three. We had to rescue the plants that we mm-hmm. were growing at the time, and uh, so the community, the nursery community. Um, and, and and I'll tell you who it was Jimmy Denton Woodpecker Greenhouses in in Dole. He said, "Bring your plants down here and put them in. I've got some empty houses, and I can house them until you, you know, get something in place." And uh, so we did that. That 
that weekend before Thanksgiving. That's all we done was hog plants all weekend. And um, so it was kind of uh, it was kind of all hands on deck. You know, we got to get houses back up. Mm-hmm. I guess it was pretty shocking to look outside from an event like a tornado, which normally you're kind of not prepared for in November. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's highly unusual. And to see such devastation in, in your own farm. Yeah. And so, you know, like I said, you don't have much time to process it because you've got you've got plants growing and now they're outside. Mm-hmm. It's cold. Um, so you don't have a lot of time to sit there and feel sorry for yourself or or kick the dirt and what am I going to do? Um, so luckily, they're, they're, all of our houses have been bought locally, and there's a company in Cookville that fabricates greenhouses. And so I called the owner the next day, and I said, you know, this is, what, this is what's happened. This, this is what I need. And uh, kind of talked about the situation that I was in. Didn't have a lot of time. Didn't have a lot of of people to do it. And so he said, well, we'll come over and we'll build them. Mm-hmm. And so right before Christmas, maybe the week before Christmas, we had three houses back up. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, it was. Um, and so we were we were ready for 2018 spring. Mm-hmm. So, Well, and thanks to the help of other small businesses like the uh, Woodpecker Greenhouses mm-hmm. and then the uh, the builder in Cookville, yep. uh, I think small businesses are really good about leaning on each other and mm-hmm. helping each other out in a time of need. Yeah, and, and the nursery and greenhouse business is a really tight-knit community. Um, you wouldn't think, I mean, we're competitors, mm-hmm. but just like I, we were talking about the different varieties we grow, we can't grow everything, and so another greenhouse will have things that we don't, and so we'll refer them to that greenhouse or whatever. Right, you know? right. And so there is a camaraderie inside the industry. Yeah, and I would think, too, like everybody in White County, like you said, you can't grow everything, but you'll let them or they'll let you be mm-hmm. an expert on certain things, and then mm-hmm. you send each other to uh, to each other, to, to their customers your way. Yeah, and you know, that that's the way it was back in the, um, back in the 80s and, and before that. That just happened to be when I was in. But in the old days, certain greenhouses they specialized in certain things. Like you know, one green one greenhouse or nursery would would specialize in maple trees. Mm-hmm. Somebody else would would specialize in azaleas, uh, and so you would see people out going place to place to place to get their order. Yeah, but. It's kind of got away from that now. You know? Right. Everybody kind of likes to have their hand in a little bit of everything. Yeah. Well, and in that case, in case of a crop failure, you've got other things to sell mm-hmm. that year. It's kind of helpful, as they say, not to have all your eggs in one basket. That's right. so, yeah. Yeah. so you decided to take the business kind of on a, a national level uh, with with TriStar Plants. Um, tell us how that got started. Well, I've got two sons. Um they're they're adult now. Um, one of them has been involved in it since he was nine years old, and that's kind of the direction that he wanted to go. Now the the youngest boy it was not so much. He didn't embrace it, I guess. 
Um, but I had a friend who had this business, and uh, he was re- he was reaching retirement age, and his kids didn't want to be involved in the business anymore. And so he he come to me two years ago and said, "Hey, I'm, I'm going to retire. Would you be interested in in buying the business?" And uh, that business was a ten or twelve years old at that time, successful, and so we looked at things and talked to my sons, and uh, so we decided that that's something that we'd like to do to expand our business to to bring them more into the fold. Mm-hmm. I guess taking a business online and tackling the whole shipping part of it was probably uh i mean is that that seems kind of intimidating to me well the the shipping part's really the easy part i'm 63 years old i'm not exactly in the middle of the tech age Mm -hmm. you know um we're barely hanging in there aren't we (laughs) yeah just barely uh and so the challenges have been how to learn that side of it, how to build a website, um, how how to how to pick your inventory you're going to have, all those things that you have no idea about. Shipping's pretty easy. You decide which carrier you're going to use, or multiple carriers, and you set up those accounts and. Off you go. Uh-huh. It would have been more difficult if this hadn't been existing business where we learned from the other business right. how they done it. Uh-huh. And, of course, n- no two businesses are the same, so there were some changes that we made to it. But we learned how to do the packing and the shipping and all that f- before they closed down. Uh-huh. Um, the biggest hurdle is advertising, how to how – to, go from a local business into a national business because local business is easy. You, you call the local newspapers, you call the radios, you call or you, you get on Facebook, which primarily is what we've been using all these years. But that that is just a small segment. Now you're going to 48 states. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do you do that? And it's been a struggle. Well, I was going to say, you know, the website is your your landing spot, and you've got to make sure that that's user-friendly and up-to-date. But then, Mm -hmm. as you said, where do you advertise without getting into hundreds of thousands of dollars Mm -hmm. in TV or Southern Living or places like that where people are kind of shopping these? uh, And then is this kind of too residential people or is it more commercial like uh, people that are building houses and things like that are they the ones ordering from you or is it a residential market uh, it's it's probably 90 percent residential you know homeowners mm-hmm. um, we have a lot of um, homesteaders uh, that that buy from us Typically, what we see is is if we get a landscape or something like that, they'll call us on the phone mm-hmm. and they'll say, "Hey, you know, I need fifty of so and so and a hundred of this." 
And that's typically how we'll we'll work with those folks. Um, well, I did notice, and I guess I didn't think about homesteaders, but a lot of uh, what I saw online was like blueberries and fruit and mm-hmm. things like that. And I guess they're looking at this, you know, as something that they want on their farm yeah. to produce, right? Not just for pretty. <laughs> yeah, we we do we do a, a, a pretty big line of berries and and fruit in the spring. We will do. It's called pre-sales. So we'll we'll start about January, um, and, and we'll do strawberries and asparagus and garlic and um, rhubarb, just to name a few. Mm-hmm. They'll start ordering those in January, and then and then we'll start shipping them out uh, late March through April. Um, but now the the fruit trees and the berries and all that, that we sell that year round. Um, and so right now, that's what we're getting ready for. You know, we're we're potting up fruit trees and, and maintenance and trimming and all that, you know. Mm-hmm. What have you found to be, um, I know it's probably a work in progress, but the most successful thing that you do to advertise uh, outside of your area here? Have you got something where you're like, okay, I think this is one thing that's really brought it in, or you still work on that all the time? We work on it daily. Uh-huh. Um, we don't just sell on a website. We sell on five different platforms. We're on Amazon, Etsy, eBay, Pinterest, Facebook, and Walmart. Mm-hmm. So Facebook and Pinterest is not really – a selling platform, but we do get orders from there. Right. Um, and so each one of those, inside each one of those platforms, they have their own advertising. And unfortunately, all five are different. But then for the website, primarily we use Google Ads. Mm-hmm. And if you never looked at it, it's it's a mountain. I've got a book I'm reading right now. It's 500 pages of just how to navigate through Google Ads. Mm-hmm. So just when you get comfortable with one thing, then Google Ads evolves and changes the process. So it's always something different. Yeah. And you're always having to learn. And it sounds like you do a lot of this. You, your family do this yourselves. You don't, do you outsource any of that? We do have a marketing agency that takes care of, of Google ads mm-hmm. just because it's so complex. Yeah. Well, and all the keywords and things like that. And SEO. then you want the stars. And yeah, yeah, it's, it is. I know we deal with that at Ben Loman some too. And there's some of it we can do in house and some of it we outsource source too because as you said it's constantly changing yeah and uh you've got to uh, concentrate on growing things you can't concentrate every day on you can't be the best marketer you can't be the best uh horticulture person you got to choose it and outsource something yeah i was talking to we had a a high school age uh, guy that worked a lot here in town for the fall season um, on weekends mostly, but sometimes in the afternoon. Anyway, he was talking about what he was going to do. You know, he just took the SATs and looking forward to college. Mm-hmm. So I was asking him what he's going to do, and he's, he told me kind of where his interests were. And I told him, I said, well, look, get your degree, find a good company that that you're happy at, 
and work as hard as you can. Go as high in that company as you can. But never own a company doing what you want to do because at the time you buy that company, you're no longer, let's say, an engineer. Mm -hmm. Now you're a businessman. Right. And you never get to do what you enjoy. Mm -hmm. And my son, my oldest one, we were sitting in the office the other day, and he said, all I do is sit here at this computer. (laughs) I never get out to grow anymore, Uh you know. And, And you just can't. Because, especially on this online thing, like it's not just Google Ads; it's everything changes almost daily. I know with like the advent of even like TikTok, like I've mm-hmm. noticed you've gotten into making videos and talking and things like that. And I'm mm-hmm. sure that wasn't necessarily in your comfort zone to do, but that's kind of where advertisers are going into mm-hmm. these demonstrations and then it also gets some sales too yeah and and tiktok that's kind of a uh, i almost say it's a phenomenon but it's it's really not it's kind of the way our society's going because when we look we look at when people get on our website the average time they spend on our website is 45 seconds Mm -hmm. and so that's the tiktok mentality People get on there and scroll, and they may be there five seconds, they may be there ten seconds. You don't know. I mean, I would would venture to say most of the time they don't watch the full video. Mm -hmm. Right. They get bored. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of our society. And so I've got to find a way to sell you my product within 30 to 45 seconds. Right. I know there's a lady I follow on Instagram who's a gardener. She's kind of into the different potting stuff, and I'm sure they have a a business. But basically, she's just giving you information all Mm -hmm. the time about how to best what plants go together and Mm -hmm. what's in for fall and stuff like that. And you don't even realize you're being sold to, but Mm -hmm. you think, okay, she's an expert. I'm going to go buy from her if I live in her area Mm -hmm. there. So, yep. Setting yourself up as the expert is what a lot of it is, seems like. Well, it is. We're an information society. We want to learn as much as we can. Just like we had a truck breakdown the other day. I had no idea how to fix it. So what's the first thing I've done? Mm -hmm. I went to YouTube. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So everybody's wanting to get as much information as fast as they can. and, And that's good and that's bad. Because you don't, you know, when you're on the Internet, you really don't know who you're really listening to right. unless you research it out. Mm-hmm. And 90% of the time they don't do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You're just taking what they say as, hey, they've set themselves as the expert. Mm-hmm. I'm going to trust that they are. But, yep. yeah, that's true. YouTube videos have been very helpful to mechanics and things like that, trying yeah. to troubleshoot things that uh, aren't in their wheelhouse or yep. that they've not dealt with before. So what are um, some of the highs and lows of running a business? I know we talked about the tornado, but have you had any, like, thing where you're like, oh, we've sold this many this year, and that is that was great, or, oh, we've had a crop failure this year, and it's just going to be tough to overcome that? What has been your, your biggest, uh, I guess, shot in the arm where you wanted to just, hey, this is going to make it. I'm going to keep going. Well, I don't know that I can really say one thing mm-hmm. because it changes every year. Mm-hmm. 
Um, probably, um, probably the the tropical and house plant thing is probably been a win because um, it it's grown every year. You know. Um, yeah, I did notice lots of people, you know, back in the 70s when we were kind of younger, houseplants were a thing, and yeah. they're a thing again. Yeah. And I noticed some of that on your site, and uh, that's, I guess, the I remember the fig leaf tree was having a moment a few years ago, although yeah. they were incredibly hard to grow, I believe, yeah. or to keep alive. But I'm sure that has been a shot in the arm for you mm -hmm. all. Um that and succulents, mm -hmm. um, they kind of go along with that too, you know, because, you know, most most of our customer base is people in metropolitan areas where they're in apartments mm -hmm. or, or they don't have a local greenhouse they can go to. Well, yeah, and then they don't have the area to grow. You know, they're doing a lot of container growing, mm -hmm. um, and so with the younger people, especially in dorms and stuff like that, they really like the succulents, not a lot of maintenance to them, you know. They can kind of just put them there and let them grow. But mm -hmm. uh, the challenge is that there's – it, it may just be me, but it seems like there's more lows than there are highs a lot of times because last year our mum crop, we had problems in that. And a lot of those problems aren't are our own fault. Um you have climate problems. You have insects may come in that, that mm -hmm. are new that you weren't treating for. Mm -hmm. um, so a fungus of some kind that's cropped up that you really didn't have an issue with the year before, I yeah. guess. Yeah, and then in the spring, we uh, for whatever reason, I don't know what the reason was, we had some tobacco mosaic wilt show up in some tomatoes. Um, so... You know, you got to stay on top of that stuff. Um, luckily, we have the place in McMinnville, TSU, uh, mm -hmm. research yes. station. So we can usually take those plants down there and get, you know, an expert opinion on what they are, mm -hmm. a diagnosis. And uh, and then how to treat it, I guess. Yeah. Um, and so there's that and there's um, labor. Oh, yeah, I didn't um, think about that. Labor is a huge issue right now it for is. everybody. You know, and uh, people come by a lot of times. I would say we have 10 or 12 people every year stop by and, hey, do you need any help? Do you need help? But it's really hard to bring somebody off the street and put them in a greenhouse situation if they've never been in it before. Mm -hmm. And you would think, well, put them out there watering or something, but... To put somebody in charge of watering your plants. That's pretty critical, too. That That is a way to to really have a bad year. Because if that plant gets too wet or too dry, nobody's going to buy it. Mm -hmm. You know, And so, actually, your water guy probably is your most experienced guy most of the time. Hmm. Um, and so, it's, it's hard. Uh, it's hard to get people to work. You know, um, well, and that just have that experience. You've got to kind of invest in them by mm -hmm. teaching them, and that may not be their lifetime career. It may be something that they're doing for a year or two, and then they leave, and you yep. have to start all over again. And with buds and blooms, you know, we're seasonal, so 
we can't offer it as a full-time job. It's it's just, you know, it's a few months in the spring, a few months in the fall. Um, we have some uh, retirement age folks that, that that fits their lifestyle. Um, and we've used the same people for three or four years. And so when they come in in the spring, primarily what they do is they – they plug our crops, you know, uh, and transplant seeds and things like that. But they've been doing it so long that they come in and I can tell them, I can tell you, you know, I need A, B, C, and D done today. And they go and do it. Mm-hmm. Um, where if it's somebody just that doesn't have any experience, then I, I pretty much have to walk them through and be with them the whole day. Right. This is the way this is done, you know. And so it's it's that's that's a huge hurdle right there is is uh, labor. Yeah, I could I could imagine because and then of course there's a lot of uh, talk on both sides. Some people want the minimum wage to go up. Uh, small businesses are sometimes hurt by that and things. Uh, so it's hard as the cost of labor increases that has to flow down into price increases and things. But as a society, we have to decide, you know, are we willing to pay a little bit more Mm -hmm. to, for the reliability and the top quality and things like that. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's a, it, 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 I don't know what the answer to it is, you know, um, especially in, in the nursery and greenhouse business, you used to see a lot of migrant workers, um, that whole thing has changed. Um, the government runs programs to bring in those migrant workers now, and you can sign up for that. But to be honest with you, you're no, you're going to bring a migrant in that may have worked in a bakery, or or may have been a sheep farmer, or mm-hmm. has no experience in in this field. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be paying them about forty-five to fifty dollars an hour mm-hmm. because you got to furnish them a place to live. True. You got to pay their utilities. You got to pay them their wage, which is right at twenty dollars. And so, you also have to provide them transportation once or twice a week. So when you add all that up, you're paying forty or fifty dollars for somebody that has no experience. Mm-hmm. Well, and I would think some of the experienced ones tend to go to where, like California and places like that, where the crops mm-hmm. are constant. It's not quite as so seasonal there, yep. so it's probably hard to compete with states that are growing uh, or crops that are growing probably year round. Mm-hmm. I would think. Yep. Um, so your family, I noticed, has been part of the business community for a long time. How much has the support of White County and Van Buren and surrounding counties meant to your business? Well, to Buds and Blooms, it's meant everything. Um, that's that's the the backbone of that business. Um, we, we we've been blessed to to have uh, a great customer base um, from White and. Van Buren, Putnam. Um, just to give you an idea, we talked about in 2005, building greenhouses. So we built two greenhouses, 20 feet wide, 100 feet long. Today we run 26 greenhouses. And all of that's based on what this community has has supported and, and, and asked for. And when we first started, that, that was 
kind of the beginning and the end as far as we seen it at that time. You know, we're going to have two greenhouses and we're going to That's dabble around. That's as far as you can and, see, yeah. And, and have a good time. <laughs> uh-huh, you know? Right, this is going to be fun. <laughs> yeah, and so uh, there for, long, for several years, we were building a new greenhouse every year, every year, every year. And so it, it, it's a double-edged sword, you know. It, it turned into a lot more work, but how can you how can you not grow when the demand is there mm-hmm. um yeah because what you know i guess started is almost like a what people call a side hustle where you're yeah. just kind of doing it for extra money like you said with the tobacco mm-hmm. and then it turns into a career for you for your sons um, i'm sure your wife works in it at, at times too she does you know and i just I just retired. It'll be two years this February. Um, so from 2005 to 2021, me and my wife both worked full time jobs. Oh wow! Um, and she still she still works her full time job. Both boys had a job. They were part time. Uh, one of them would work early in the morning. One worked late in the evening. But it's it's always been just kind of a side job. And so you get off your regular job at four, five o'clock, and then we were in a greenhouse till 10, 11, 12 at night. Mm-hmm. You know, and that was kind of every day. Yeah. But it takes that to run a business and to keep it going, like yeah. you said. I mean, it's pretty much all consuming, I guess. Yeah. You, you maintain your other job sometimes for insurance and retirement benefits and things like that. But yeah. I'm sure you all could work at this all the time and, and do. Oh, yeah. Um, talk to us about the impact technology has had on horticulture. Just even since you started, you know, do you um, irrigate or anything like that with technology? Or basically, is it all on the sales side? When you look at the industry, technology has, has advanced to the point where a lot of greenhouses are all remote control now. Um, and matter of fact, we've talked about the research station in McMinnville. Um, all of their stuff, you know, they can pull it up on their iPads or their phones and they know exactly what the climate's doing in there and they can adjust without being on site. You know, they can change the temperature, change the ventilation, run the water. With us, not so much. I mean, we have, we have evolved um, a little bit. The biggest thing is is back to the watering situation. It takes eight hours to water. Um, and usually that's like two rotations through the operation. By the time you get everything watered once, it's time to turn around and start the second wave. Wow. Now, there there's reasons um, that it has to be that way. And the biggest reason is goes back to one of the things we were talking about before is we have so many varieties um, in each greenhouse. And so if we had one greenhouse that was dedicated to, say, petunias, then we could automate that and get the right fertilizer on them and, and the right amount of water. But when you have petunias beside marigolds, those totally things, different demands. <laughs> exactly. So we can't turn overhead watering on and take care of that all at one time. So we have to hand water. 
Um, and, and then they get, you know, they get the right fertilized and, and things dry at different rates. And so we do um, automate where we can. Mm-hmm. And at TriStar, their houses are completely automated because it's trees and shrubs that are already established. Mm-hmm. A lot of the problems in Buds and Blooms is we're talking about the you know, seedlings, and they're very vulnerable to disease when they're seedlings because mm-hmm. you get too much water, you get funguses and root rots and all this other stuff. And so um, the TriStar plants are a lot more forgiving than the stuff we grow for Buds and Blooms. Well, it's good to know that there are certain areas that you can utilize technology mm-hmm. in, but then in uh, Buds and Blooms, it's more kind of customized. It's, yep. it's still like where you have to... Uh, do it yourself, and there's been strong benefits to that because mm-hmm. you've not got the root rot and the funguses and things like that because yep. you sure don't want to sell plants that have all that kind of stuff. Right. Well, thank you so much, Alan. This has been a great podcast. I think all the inner information has been so helpful. Uh, the online part of it is is very interesting on how you evolve from a hometown uh, and still maintain a hometown business, but also go nationally with it online. So thank you for being a part of the podcast. Well, I appreciate you having me. Yeah, thank you. And I'll say thank you to our audience for joining us today. Our special guest has been Alan Selby with Buds and Blooms and TriStar Plants. We invite our listeners to tune in for future episodes and share content with other businesses. Until next time, this is your BLC Connection. Connection.